Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Lexus Enthusiast podcast. My name is Kevin Watson. I'm the founder and editor of the Lexus Enthusiast website. And today we're joined by Troy Sumitomo, owner of Five Axis. Five Axis is a company responsible for many influential Lexus car builds over the years, including the Project ISF from SEMA in 2007 and building the LFLC concept for the 2012 Detroit Auto Show. Welcome, Troy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So let's just start off with some background. Uh, can you tell me about yourself and about your company? Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I pretty much grew up, uh, you know, fixing up cars. I was into the whole tuner scene back in the back in the day. I'll date myself. I'll go ahead and say in the '80s. Uh, this was back when it was really popular to uh, do a little street racing, fix up modified cars, and and cruising. So, pretty much, kind of grew up in that that whole era. Um, and then, so when I went to uh, to school um, to college. Uh, my parents really pushed me towards um, architecture because they thought I was really good with my hands and building things because, you know, I love to not only build my work in my car but build little models. And I guess Legos was probably one of the biggest things that was influential <laughs> in my life. So, um, But while I was in architecture school, we found out about a school called Art Center College of Design, which is in Pasadena here. That's where most of the major uh, automotive designers come from. And uh, I just all I know is I went into the art, that art gallery. All the project cars, saw the drawings on the wall, and I said, I don't care what it takes. I have to go here. This is this looks like a lot of fun. So that's that's kind of how I got into the whole car thing. How do you get from, like, going to school for automotive design to where you are now, you know, building concept cars, producing show cars? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I get that asked that all the time. Um, you know, honestly, I wish I could say I had this master plan and had this all figured out. It was one of those things, a lot of opportunities. A lot of just really uh, great connections and uh, just making some good decisions at the right time. Um, honestly, the thing was, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I love the hands-on part of, uh, of things. And uh, design, the part that I really excelled in was, was building the cars. So um, not so much drawing them, but I just love the, the actual finishing of them, the finessing of them and all that stuff. So what I did um, after I graduated from college, um, I, I got a job, fortunately, at a small design company uh, building a model and designing some stuff. And from there, just one thing led to another and eventually ended up at another company that did uh, concept car building as well. And that's where I kind of got my feet wet in the whole concept car building industry. And then I decided one day with a, a business partner of mine that was also working at the same company to uh, go ahead and just just try and do this on our own. So that's kind of really what it came out down to was it's like, hey, you know, let's just try to do this on our own and see how it goes. So that's kind of what happened. The apprenticeship, the uh, the experience, and then going off and doing uh, your own thing. What was your first uh, professional uh, project for uh, Five Axis? So the way it started, like I said, my uh, my business partner at the time and I were sitting around and we said, you know what, we got to try to do something on our own. So we, we kind of got an opportunity to build a, a WSC race car. Um, there was a a uh, um, chassis builder and designer uh, that we got to know through through some friends, and he was interested in building a body for his race car. So it was kind of like his dream race car. So he had this chassis all designed. He just needed a body built. So that was kind of our first job as Five Axis, but we were still kind of working a little bit under full-time jobs at the time. But it was during that process that we decided to just go 100% into Five Axis. But after that, I really pulled upon my connections. Uh, so one thing about Art Center that was really great was I had a lot of uh, friends and, and connections uh, from going to school there. And a lot of our professors were actually, um, you know, key people, chief designers or studio heads in the major auto studios. So that, that kind of really helped pave my way to get into the whole design studio business because, as you know, that's kind of a really kind of niche business and you can't just walk in there and say, hey, can I build a car for you? That's really, I think, that's what I credit a lot of the schooling to was uh, getting getting that network started. So we actually started building cars in '95 for uh, for Honda. 
Oh, okay. not. Um, they were our first customer. And we did a lot of stuff like, you know, what we're doing for Toyota now, a lot of concept cars and things like that. I remember the, the XB that you did. That's, mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I had heard of Five Axis. And, and when was that? So that was back when Scion first came to market. So that was at, what was that? I think that was at 05, 06 kind of time period. Um, a gentleman named Brian Belaine, who any of us in the Lexus community know very well who he is, yeah. um, he was kind of the spearhead over at, at Scion. He was kind of, we call him the grandfather of Scion because he really brought the brand to, to the United States and really kind of pioneered it. And uh, I was introduced to him um, through another friend of mine who also worked at Toyota named Steve Hatanaka. And he, he said, hey, you want to you build a SEMA car? I go, yeah, sure. What is that? And he goes, well, we're going to probably throw you like a car and maybe a dollar if you're lucky and uh, then you get to build something <laughs> cool. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that sounds like fun. And what had happened was we were actually at this show called uh, Import Auto Salon, which we used to, um, that was kind of patterned after Tokyo Auto Salon was in Long Beach. Mm. And there was a limousine there that was built somewhere in Japan. Uh, it was a Sion XB limo. And I said, hey, you know, I want to build something like that for you guys. And so one thing led to another. Got that opportunity for that first project, which actually people don't really know, but we built that white limousine, uh, the XB limousine. That uh. was a paid project. And then on the side was, hey, while you're at it, you know, see what you can do with this XB and make it make it cool. So that was our, our real first kind of break. So how did you get started with Lexus? So Lexus, well, the the main brand, Blaine, was yep. a big part of that. So Mr. Blaine moved over to Lexus, and naturally he said, you know, hey, you want to try something over here? So uh, he kindly gave us the project uh, to, to build an ISF for SEMA, because oddly enough, uh, Lexus, I think they debuted the ISF, if I remember correctly, at SEMA, yeah, rather correct. than a major yeah. auto show. So so there was kind of an opportunity for us to make a statement with on a brand new platform, which which was kind of a interesting uh, th- thing for us. I mean, we were hugely honored to be able to you know you know show the car in, in its first modified form and, and and be the ones to build it. Yeah, that was uh, pr- probably one of my favorite uh, modified cars that I've ever seen at SEMA. Oh, it's just uh, really stood out, and I think really established your name in the Lexus community. You went on quite a run there with uh, Lexus at SEMA. You did the uh, project cars, you know, all named project, mm-hmm. uh, project ISF, yep. project GSFF Sport, um, and then project uh, LSF Sport. How difficult is it to stand out at a show at SEMA, but still sort of maintain that like Lexus personality? Well, you, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, SEMA is it's where all the best go and to showcase their capabilities or customization and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're, you're right. There's a there's a huge uh, arena there that we have to play in. But, uh, you know, our approach has always been the same. Um, you know, one thing we don't want to do is we want to modify a car to the point people are like, well, what the heck is that? <laughs> and because we are hired by the OE, we don't want to insult them in any way, shape, or form. And we wanna, always want to honor the original design intent of the car. So, anything, we just want to enhance it, you know, and for SEMA, that's what we're doing. We're, we're just enhancing the original uh, vehicle design. Again, not to take away from what the original uh, design intent was. So I think that's kind of what makes it a little difference. A lot of people always look at this stuff and say, wow, that's very OE looking, or it's very, you know, it's very, it's done with uh, kind of like the fit and finish that the OE would do. And because we built the concept cars, I think it's just natural for us to always put out a product, you know, with those same kind of, you know, uh, requirements. Yeah, it always seems as though your cars were just uh, above and beyond maybe what uh, what you're used to seeing. So you've been doing concept cars this whole time. And what was your first concept car built for Lexus? Um, so that was the car. They, they basically was the uh, concept version of the CT, which was called the uh, LFCH. Right, yep. Uh, that was the first. I, I, yeah, if I remember correctly, that is the first concept car that we did for, for Lexus, and that was designed by a Toyota design CEO or Lexus's design CEO called uh, Calty Design Research, and they're over here actually in, in Orange County. And, and that's when I talk about the camaraderie, and then the uh, a lot of the guys there were classmates of mine 
In fact, one of the uh, design heads, I mean, the studio heads was one of my teachers at one point. Oh, okay. So that's how that kind of worked out. That was uh, the first the first Lexus concept that I ever saw, you know, yeah. in, in the flesh. Uh, I saw it at the Detroit Auto Show. Oh, okay. And, uh, of course, right. it was the first time I ever seen a concept car move. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things that, you know, we like to make the move so it's more real. And it really makes it a lot easier for us to get in and out of the show. And, and nothing looks worse than a bunch of people pushing a car. You just get that mind, just in your mind, you think, oh, it broke down, but we try to make a move. What's the process uh, with building a concept car? It's You're not building from an existing model. You're trying to sort of create something that has been, I imagine, designed in clay first. Right. So the process is, like I said, and it's important that people understand this, that, you know, we we are designers ourselves, but uh, in the case of a concept car, it's always designed by the uh, the house, the studio's uh, in-house uh, design team. In this case, again, it's Calcet Design. So what they do, uh, they, they build the exterior uh, in clay. Uh, they start out with a half size, and they eventually end up with a full-size clay model. Um, and that's all hand work for the most part. Um, some of it's digitally uh, measured, and then, and then the mirror side of it is actually milled. But the initial shaping and all that stuff, the majority of it's done by hand. Um, after they get a full-size exterior uh, in clay, then they usually go they're at either simultaneously or, or afterwards, they go into an interior model, very uh, more volumes type stuff. They don't really get into all the little detail pieces. And then they, uh, they do everything in CAD. So everything's done 3D software, and then that's given to us. So we're given a, a full-size clay model, and then we're given a, uh, all the other stuff in, in CAD. And even on the clay model, uh, details like the headlights, some of the aerodynamics, or just the finite details, they'll, they'll just uh, do that in CAD, but they'll index it to the clay model. So we take the clay model, and we take a mold off of that to get a, a shell for the exterior body. Everything else is done uh, via CAD and milling, so the interior the shut cases, the transversal surfaces between the exterior and the interior. All that is done in, in CAD, but we have the clay model digitized so we can reference it. So in the end, everything is pretty much digitally uh, constructed uh, and then measured and then uh, modeled. And then um... I remember uh, one of the funniest uh, moments I can ever remember at an auto show uh, was your expression when I uh, called the instrument panels in the LFLC uh, stickers. <laughs> I remember that. Stickers, I rem- yeah. yeah. I remember how clearly uh-huh. uh, you were, you were absolutely disgusted with me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how, I don't know about that. Uh, well, or... yeah, no. It, how hard is it to make the uh, interior tech uh, of a concept car look convincing? Well, that, that's a great question because everything is, at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff does not actually function or, or work, physically work. And that's that's one of the biggest challenges on press day is because the press they're notorious for just grabbing and turn turning and trying to ship knobs and do all kinds of stuff and they did break these things off so we have to be very careful to make them robust <laughs> enough so that they can withstand that. But the main thing is that we want to give the impression of the design intent. So it's not important that the, the tack works or that the you know that the gauges function properly. It's, it's more important that they have the, the image that the designer wanted. Uh, in the case of like the LFLC, I mean, if you guys remember that dash, it was crazy. It was like this like time warp looking thing, you know, with yeah. all these little LED lights around the outside. I mean, honestly, we're just given direction. Like, this is what we want it to look like. This is the way we want it to function. Can you guys do it? And there's times where we can. I mean, because these could dream up some stuff that's just, out, you know, off the charts. But I mean, that's that's what designers are supposed to do, push, push for the, the impossible, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge, like I said, is mainly to make it look real. But, you know, but the, the offset is that it, it looks so real that people try to work everything. So, um <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's a lot of fun, and, and that's what I think that's the best part of this job is is trying to bring people's you know dreams to reality and and you know and then accomplishing it, and then everyone's happy. You know. So, have you ever had to deal with concept car damage? 
Oh, every day. In yeah. fact, you know, something just happened yesterday. Oops, you can't say that on the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the biggest problem, honestly, the problem is that is when we have to move them around. You have to put them in transporters, um, things like that. And imagine car shows. Anybody who's been to a car show sees how much chaos is in there, you know, when the public is there. But imagine what the setup is like. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there being uh, before the show actually gets set up, but it is, it's total chaos. And so you got you got cars moving in and out, million-dollar show cars going in and out, forklifts flying by and rolls of carpet going everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable. Something is going to happen. And especially uh, you combine the Detroit Auto Show, which is always during the winter. It's freezing cold. It's, most of the time it's snowing. It's dark. We can't see what's going on. So all kinds of things happen. And then unfortunately you get stuff like, you do get vandalism too. We had a, an incident at the Chicago Auto Show where somebody reached over and just broke the wheel because they just pulled on it, you know, so. Wow. It's, you know, you want people to you want people to enjoy these things. You don't want to have to rope them off and put an electric fence around them. But sometimes you feel like you have to. What's it like? I, you kind of answered this, but what's it like when you know the sheets pulled off and you see that like mass of photographers and journalists rushing the stage? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, that that feeling of you know being a part of something like that that's, that you know gets that much visibility and stuff. And I think I mean we'll probably touch more upon it. But the uh, the LC five hundred or the LC that to me was is probably one of the coolest moments because in my whole career doing this over 20 years i've never seen a car go from concept to reality so closely yeah you're worried about somebody's camera hitting this or something this and that but you know what at the end of the day for me it's like these are tools to to communicate with, to get people excited and then you know if people weren't running up there and wanting to see it then you can't do the job right so i'll deal with it you know what i mean as long as people aren't disrespectful <laughs> yeah i did want to ask you specifically about the lflc uh, you know, what was the, the experience of building that, knowing what it was coming and trying to, you know, keep it a secret, really? Well, you know what? That's why you say knowing that it was coming. So this is this is the way I, I kind of approach things. I'd rather know nothing than know too much, because what happens is when you know too much, you're like, oh, my gosh, I might say something. So honestly, it's as closely tied as I am to the whole concept and development stuff. I mean, I just do our, we just do our job and I don't ask any more questions. So I had no idea. To be honest with you, about the LFLC coming to fruition like it did. I mean, I knew most of these cars are going to somehow come to turn into something, but I just I didn't really follow it closely. Um, but when I first, my I, I vividly remember this very, very, very well. Um, the first time they said, oh, "Oh, the LC Clay is here. Can you go do a, a focus group with that?" I go, "Sure. What's the LC Clay?" And they said, "That's the LFLC production version." I go, "Oh, that that should be neat." I remember peeling the cover off of the clay model and going, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's not exactly what I said. I said, I said something else. <laughs> I was like, and I called my guys. I'm like, dude, this thing's insane. It looks just like the real car. And I called my friends at Calty. You know, I said, you know, Ian Cardiviano is one of my friends. I said, oh, yeah. you know, I can't believe this thing. It's insane, dude. I said, but, I mean, it looks just like it. I mean, there's a couple of things I could pick out. But, I mean, that's production stuff. But I was happy. I mean, I was like, yeah. man, this is amazing. And then to hear the back end story of it and how Akio-san and all that stuff really tried to keep it, you know, the flavor of it together. And then the design team and the engineers working closely together to, to really maintain the original design. I mean, I, I just, I'm still excited about it, as you can tell. I mean, yeah. you know, I love that car. Yeah, I was. Talk I talked with Ian uh, at uh, the Detroit Auto Show about it. And, like, you just couldn't mm -hmm. take the smile off mm -hmm. his face. He was just, you know, oh, uh, yeah. absolutely thrilled that it was so close. I wanted to ask you about um, just recently there was the LA Clippers uh, oh, RCF huh. and that's amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Like I'm not a ba I'm not a basketball guy at all, but like right. it just blew my mind. Like how did you how did you do that project? It looked like so much fun. Like how fast does that come? That together? was that was a lot of fun. That's one of those marketing deals, right? So we get a we get the agency um, for Lexus calling us and say, hey, you know, we got this opportunity to 
we sponsor part of the Clippers. Uh, I think they have a. Uh, I'm not a basketball fan yet, but there's yeah. a there's a room or a place inside the inside Staples that's uh, I think lots of sponsors. They wanted to take an RCF and and just do it up with the Clippers kind of uh, colors and and uh, logos and stuff like that. But the the trick was that at the end of the day they're going to auction some, this thing off to Joe Public, so we couldn't do some of the stuff that we normally do because it's not totally safe. <laughs> and in fact, we want to actually change a few things on here because you know it goes to the consumer world. You want to make sure it's 100% right. I mean. You know, in customizing cars, sometimes you cut some corners and stuff, especially with all the airbags and all that stuff. I mean, I'm super paranoid about stuff like that. So we had to find ways to to customize it but not go too far over the top, like cut the top off. So, I mean, paint is always the number one thing. So the paint was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a huge challenge because if you look at it carefully, there's a graphic that's all mm-hmm. over the car. It's kind of a matte graphic. It's like, they call it the Let's Play graphic, but it's supposed to represent kind of like the symbols and, and the, the things when you're playing out a board. Like coach we run it. Those are all like little symbols and, and graphics that re- represent different, you know, different uh, parts of the, the game. And mm-hmm. so th- those are all over the body. Of course, we have the red and blue of the Clippers, and there's a there's a stripe ring up it. But just masking all that off and getting that, I mean, you know, it was it was it was a huge challenge. But at the end of the day, it looks really cool. And there's all these other little things that are on there. So the other thing too, uh, Jeff, who's who's my uh, my chief, uh, I mean, the head of the shop here. He's a total Clips fan. When I told him about it, oh, he was like, oh, dude, we got to do it. I don't care. And he was just so <laughs> stoked on it. So he did a lot of the work because he was so into it, right? He was so passionate. But like, you see the steering wheel. It looks like it looks like a hoop. So yeah. there's actually what looks like a hoop cast inside of a clear resin thing. It's actually not the regulation size hoop, but it uh, and uh, you know, but it it just looks like it. Um, stuff like oh, and it, you, when you push the horn, I don't know if you guys know this. When you honk the horn, the the, the perimeter of the windshield lights up like the backboard would, you know, and with the same <laughs> sound like you when they shoot, shoot a bass and they make them lights up. So there's all these little tiny quirky things that kind of uh, relate to the whole, uh, to not only the team but to the actual game itself. In the trunk, there's like a min- miniature like a locker room. Yeah, I could tell right away that somebody who loved the Clippers was involved in in the design of that vehicle. You could tell right away. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's always fun when you're, when you're, I mean, it's always fun to just do this stuff in general, but when you have a passion for some part of it, it's, I guess, just that much more fun, but, yeah, so there's, like I was saying, there's a locker room in the back, there's, you know, with the, hold the basketball pair of shoes, and, um, you know, it looks like some drawers and stuff, and then, what else was there that's kind of, uh, oh, the basketball, the grills on the on the speakers, well, yeah. we impressed them with the, with the graphic of a basketball, and there's all kinds of other little tiny things, but yeah, the backboard's probably one. I know there's there's a shot clock in there that's in the place of the actual clock. Yeah, instead, yeah, instead of the clock. Um, and then, and of course, the upholstery and all that has has the colors of the, the Clippers. But uh, no, it, it I think it came out great. And you know, like I said, I just love the little tiny the little uh, things like the horn and stuff like that. People trip out on that. Yeah, I I, I, I saw it and I knew I knew immediately that you were responsible for it. That you're that five axis. <laughs> I was like, that's a five axis car. There's no other way around it. Oh, yeah, and to answer your other question, sorry, real quick, but it took two months because I know everyone always wants to know how long it takes us to build stuff, and yeah. it was a few months. I mean, and it was a rush. It wasn't like one of those things where we just sat around, you know, working you know, four hours a day on it. It was, it was a typical rush, but, you know, I mean, what isn't? Yeah. No, I was I was incredibly impressed, and like I said, like, I wasn't, I'm not a basketball guy, so it mm-hmm. really impressed me. <laughs> just to uh, kind of wrap things up, I just wanted to ask you, you know, yeah. three questions. Um Sure. So what's your most memorable Lexus build that you've done? I mean, outside of the concept cars and, and such. Um, oh, out of, outside of the concept cars? Yeah. Well, for the concept, it's got to be the LSLC. Uh, yeah. Probably the, the, the ISF is probably one of the, the, probably the most prominent ones that stand out in my mind because we did really modify the heck out of that car. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and we, we even went, because normally we just do aesthetic. We don't really go into the drivetrain or the motor or anything like that. But we got involved with motorsports. So they, they actually tuned the motor up a little bit on that thing. Mm. You know, increased compression, did some tuning on, on the, the uh, intakes, stuff like that, and, and a big exhaust. So that one was, it did. It, it, it drove pretty well, and it, was, it, was, it sounded really good. I think that one by far was probably the most. So awesome. you actually were able to drive that one? I guess you can drive all of yeah, those. Yeah, we... Uh, we could drive them all, really. Yeah. I mean, but like you know, like I was saying, some of them because you know we wind the track or some, and stuff like that. The steering radius isn't as good, or ground clearance is always the biggest issue, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we want them, but we slam them so they look cool, but they're not necessarily the most road friendly. But uh, ISF, we actually took it on the streets of Willow. I, yeah, I think oh, it was, wow. yeah, was it streets of Willow? Anyway, it's one of those. It was for a photo session with uh, with um, GT magazine, oh. um, so they they kind of shot it. But it was low speed, and we were probably going like 30, 40 miles an hour around the track. Nothing too crazy. I'm sure it looked way faster than that in the photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you always speed things up, and you make it, the angles look dynamic, so you look like you're going like you know, 80 around the turn. I know that Scion played a big role in your career. I, I'm just mm-hmm. wondering what your feeling is on the decision to fold it back into Toyota. Well, you know what? Yeah, it's like losing a family member in a way, but you're not because they're still going to the master family. So, I mean, I understand it from a business perspective completely why why they had to do it. But you know what? I mean, I I that was the brand that pretty much got us in the public eye. I would say. I mean, you know, with all the little builds that we did, and mm-hmm. so it's a bittersweet thing. I mean, you know, uh, this upcoming New York New York show is going to be big for them because that's kind of where they announced the brand at, and that's always where we did all our reveals and things. So. This year we're going to actually bring out some of the older cars, some of the stuff that we worked on, nice. some of the other prominent builders, and it's going to be neat. But yeah, it's 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 sad. But like I said, it's not like they're disappearing forever, and it's just they're just being being back absorbed back into the into the the grand family. But uh, I, I'm just super uh, appreciative and and fortunate to be a part of, of something so cool. And my last question is, well, what's your daily driver? Everyone <laughs> <laughs> wants to know, and when I tell them, they're like, "What, really? That's it." So yeah, first of all, I'm not a billionaire, so I don't have a Ferrari or Porsche or anything like that. <laughs> but for the record, for the record, if I did buy an exotic, it would be a Porsche. And that's all. That's that's really what I would want. Yeah, I can't blame but you. But I, I drive a Prius. Well, hey, I drive a Prius, and I have a yeah, and I have a, a an FRS that I, I'll drive once in a while. And then I have a, a 370Z because I'm I'm just a I love sports cars and I, I've always loved the Z. But the Prius is the daily, and but ultimately, I really want one of those little NXs. I love that little guy. Mm, I think yeah. it's cool looking, and and all of the RX is pretty nice too. But the NX, I so I'm gonna throw some, I just throw some wheels on there, and and that's it, man. You know, no yeah. more messing with these cars. I just want a good, reliable driver. So, well, Troy, thank you very much for uh, for joining us for this uh, interview. Really You're appreciate welcome. it. Welcome. Yeah. All right. Take sure. care. Sure. No, th- thank you, Kevin.